Welcome to another episode of the He and He Show, where we talk about equipping and enabling believers to reach unbelievers and make disciples. Today, I've got a very special guest, uh, one of IC's own, my co-laborer in gospel, Chantel Lawrence, who um, is a joyful person. She exudes the joy of the Lord, and that's why we're wearing tie-dye today, just to characterize that um, spirit that she has. Chantel led a team to Bolivia this year, and they encountered a lot of challenges, but they still managed to be faithful to the Lord and give Satan a nice kick to the face. So Chantel, tell us about that trip. Um, what were some of the challenges uh, that you overcame, and how did you see God move despite altitude sickness, uh, lots of that, um, walking all sorts of hills, I'm sure, and everything else that happened? Yes. Olivia was a very challenging project, but one of the most rewarding projects, because we got to see a lot of growth, not just in the churches that we're working with, but as a team. It's always joyful when we get to see our team growing in their trust and their faith in the Lord. And so, yeah, we landed at the highest capital city in the world at 13,300 feet in Oahu. And everybody felt great until a few hours later when the altitude sickness started kicking in. Um, I had one team member who, she was really sick. Um, and then shortly after is when I went down with the altitude sickness pretty hard. Um, and you had to get oxygen and yes. what, what else happened to that? <laughs> yeah, I have pictures of me on oxygen because my husband is quite comical. Um, and my I got used to functioning. My O2 stats were in the 70s and 80s the whole time. Um, which once you get used to it, it's not bad. Mm. Um, but just so we altitude sickness can cause vomiting, diarrhea, on top of not being able to breathe. And so we had a combination of all the above. Um, and I was out for, let's see, we landed and I was out for two days, two and a half days with altitude sickness. How many other team members were down with that? <laughs> Um, one other one was completely down like I was with altitude sickness. And then the rest of the week, the rest of the team in some way was sick with, we don't know if it was the altitude or if it was food or a combination of the both, but the entire team, but one was sick the entire time we were there. Um, we had some that would have to stay in the hotel during the day and then the next day would go out or they'd go out part of the day and push through it. Mm -hmm. and then come back in because it was getting too bad. It was one of the hardest mission trips I've ever been on physically, spiritually, emotionally, mentally, but the most rewarding at the same time because that's when you're, um, the trust is just, it's, God's really just working on your trust, especially like I have um, underlying health issues and lung problems. So, when you have lung problems and underlying health issues and you can't breathe, you tend to panic and start getting scared. But that's where I was like, I refuse to let Satan win. I am not letting Satan win because I'm here to kick him in the face and not go home with my tail tucked. So um, my husband, he asked me on Sunday morning or Monday morning, like, when are you going home? When are you leaving? When are you going somewhere else too? It's like, until I pass out, I'm not leaving. So God, uh, 
Isaiah 64, 8. There's a great reminder that we are to play and he is the potter. The more work of his hands and he is just continually molding our team and growing our team and building all of our faith, our trust. Um, he also led me to a great verse of John 15 about the vine. Um, it's a great reminder that if we're in the vine, it says, Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. But here, Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. So if you are in the vine, he's going to prune you so that you can bear more fruit. And I feel that's what our team is going through. Along with, I mean, the whole, not just the Americans, there was even nationals who were getting sick. The, the reality is that uh, as joyful and adventurous as amazing as mission trips are, especially what we do, we get to go and share the gospel with people. Some who have never heard, most who have never understood, even if they're familiar with the Bible. And to see that light come on, and to see somebody understand God's love and what he's done for them, how he loved them, how he loves them, and what it means to put their faith and trust in him for eternal life and for hope and grace every day. That's awesome. There's nothing better than that. But that doesn't mean that it's always fun. And that's just the reality. What we love to tell are the really cool stories, the fun stories of things that happen uh, when we get to go and, and do this work. But uh, there, there's, a, there's another reality that sometimes it's really, really hard. And we need to tell those stories too so people understand what you're getting into so, so people can understand how God overcomes, mostly, uh, because he deserved the glory for, for doing that. And uh, that's just, that's part of the story sometimes, right? That uh, we, we went to this place, things were prepared, we expected this to happen, and God did something else. Well, almost always, the other thing God did is really cool, but sometimes they're suffering. Yes. So how do you deal with that? Yeah. How do you, how do you deal with that kind of suffering? Fully trusting in the Lord, which is also another, actually. <laughs> so our translator, she read over me this verse, and I didn't understand when she read it to me, why she was reading it to me. Of course, we had already gone through a lot of tribulation and just a lot of hard time during the mission trip. So she took me to Romans 5, um, verse 3. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance character, and character hope. Now hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit, and who was given to us. So that's right there. That's how we do it. Rely on the Lord. We completely rely on the Lord. And he, I mean, that's, Paul says, when I'm weakest is when I'm strongest, because I'm fully relying on him. So I feel like that's what our team experienced. We had, we are having to fully rely on God and each other as a church body. Like it was fully the best example of how the body of Christ works because we were in need. And so we were able to, it didn't matter what time of night, our phones were going off. Hey, I need help. I'm not feeling well. Do you have medication? Do you have this? I mean, do you have Gatorade? It was simple things, but we were completely reliant on each other. Prayer and the Lord, and it was. Like, and and those are some those are some really uniting 
and vulnerable moments, right? Yes. That that's good bonding opportunity, <laughs> great opportunity to bear each other's burdens and just be so so authentic and real yes. with the other team members because when you're in a vulnerable situation like that where you're having you know physical issues, you know what I'm saying, right? You know, bathroom issues, emodium. <laughs> that's humbling. Yes. That is humbling, and uh, you get to a place where the other team members where you. Are just you have to be. You have no choice but to just be open and honest. This is how I'm struggling, and especially when other people are. You know, we're we're in this together. You have that sense of unity, but also that sense of dependence on each other and dependence on God. And so that is that is one way we really can rejoice when we are when we're enduring that kind of challenge, that kind of suffering, because we're getting a taste of. The book of Acts. Yes. You know, when we're at home, we, we long for that. We, we read in the New Testament how, how God worked in the, in the early days of the church and all the cool things that happened. But one thing that was unique about that time was that the, the church only had each other. They were being persecuted so heavily and they had to depend on each other. And man, they saw God work in amazing ways. And they had to get the message of Jesus as the Messiah out to uh, a Jewish world, to a Hebrew, I mean, to a, to a Roman, to a Greek world that was hostile to them. But look what God did. You know, the shock and awe campaigns you know, that, that God poured out through his Holy Spirit. And that still happens. But especially when we're, when we're being persecuted, either, either physically, politically, or just just enduring adversity from the enemy, from from spiritual warfare. Anyway, I'm man, I'm rambling, but the point is, when we endure hardship together as a ministry team, we can get a taste of what it was like in the Book of Acts for the early church, who had to depend on each other and depend on the Lord together because they were vulnerable. And when they were out of the way, when their own efforts and will were out of the way, man, they saw God show up. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And that's what happened to our team is because we were so dependent on, on the Lord to get us through. And it's great when you hear your team. Man, can you imagine what more Paul went through and what we're going through? It's just a slight inconvenience. Yeah. So, therefore, I can get myself out of this room in this hotel. No matter how bad I'm feeling, and I can go climb these mountains to share the gospel. And still, yeah. you can find a way to, to rejoice. Yeah. You know, Paul saying, famously saying praises to God in prison yeah. and, and wrote so much of the New Testament while he was in prison. And man, what an example for us, yeah. right? But also, it's true. And you can study that. And, and read that and think about it and try to imagine it, but you're not really going to experience it unless you put yourself out there and follow the Lord in faith to a hard place and and have to really depend on Him like that and find how you can rejoice in the same way. Yes. So through all of that and thinking about that whole that whole week, what do you think was the single hardest moment, and what did God do with it? So yeah, I guess just battling my own fears. Because after going through a coma and life support, 
I mean, back to not being on the roof, it's very scary, and I have a lot of emotional battlefields going on while I was in the hotel room alone, and um, just not knowing how in the world this is going to happen, how am I going to be able to breathe when I'm climbing these mountains, what am I going to do, and then the Lord's just constantly reminding me, I've got this, just trust me, I'm like, I am trusting you, and he's like, no, you're really not trusting me, so it was a big growth. Um, but then the reward, you know, the final or closing rally, we get to march the streets in the highest capital city in the world. I went from not being able to breathe the first part of the week to marching in a parade with thousands of people proclaiming the name of Jesus and sobbing as we're, it was one of those joyful, can't get the smile off your face, but at the same time, I'm like really crying because it was just so powerful and an experience to see so many brothers and sisters in Christ proclaiming Jesus in, in a major populated, highest capital city in the world. It was just overwhelming and still overwhelming. Like how, why would, were we the ones blessed to be a part of such an experience, you know? Yeah, that's a, that's a high privilege. Yes, very high. Um, Tell me a little bit more about the partnership with the local Bolivian believers. Um, uh, How how did that work? How did they uh, support the team? And how did this whole parade and huge closing rally come about? Yeah, we had amazing, amazing leadership with Alfredo and Elias and Juan and all of our national leaders and just absolutely amazing how they put this together and they're just so yielded to the to the lord that's how it falls together because they're completely yielded and dependent on him and we had over i think the final count was like over 50 something churches that were working with us and we had 135 nationals we even had a guy from france that came uh-huh. in and helped along with the 11 americans um and our churches were absolutely best when they came to when we were sick, they had doctors who were taking care of us. They were giving us the medicines we needed, along with our national leaders. Um, and then this rally, I don't know how, but God, there, I mean, it just, it was, <laughs> we had church members in bright vests, literally standing at red lights with their hands on the front of cars, holding cars I, back. I saw the pictures. I didn't know those were <laughs> church members. That made yes. it even better. Yes. We had church members literally blocking the road for this closing rally parade of thousands of people and literally putting themselves in harm's way at Red Lots with very angry drivers with their hands holding the cars and standing in the way. I was like, man, that's just some faith there. Jesus owned everything. He owns these streets too. Yeah. So you yeah. might as well wait. Or his parade to come through. But in my mind, I'm thinking in the United States, they would have already oh, ran yeah. us over. Yeah. <laughs> they literally used their bodies to block the roads and to get us to the Coliseum where thousands of people were. I mean, it was just a huge concert. So who showed up at this opening rally? There was there was the team of Americans and other IC coordinators uh, from Latin America. There were churches, uh, church members, probably pastors from those churches, and then uh, who else were there? The people that you visited, anybody who had been saved during the week show up, talk, kind of talk about Yeah, we had um, the church families there. We invited people to come. We were inviting people to 
streets to keep okay. in, so I don't know if anybody actually follows them, but... <laughs> It'd be awesome, because they would have uh, been surprised with the gospel. Amen. Yeah, and they actually had banners hanging around the Coliseum and had the groups from each country, like um, Brazil, were sitting together, and then our churches were sitting together. For those of you who don't know, Juan Lovato is our leader for uh, the overseer for all our ministry in Latin America. And he himself is very familiar with adversity and the joy of the Lord in spite of it and seeing God's victory in spite of it because he is from Venezuela and has just seen a tremendous suffering and hardship in his country and in his own life and in his own family, um, not just from the political situation, but they had a house fire and all sorts of things um, that he has been through. And he is still unstoppable because uh, the Lord that he knows and follows faithfully. So it's awesome to get to work personally with guys like that, I'm sure. We see online all the time, uh, but, to, but to get to be in the same place and work together has just got to be really cool. Yeah, that's the first one I ever worked with Juan. So it was, a, it was good getting to know Juan and um, seeing how excited and how far he was. He was actually assigned to the church that my family was at. And so, oh, oh, I saw some of the pictures where you guys were with him, yeah. So I get to hear him yeah. preach, and just, he is on fire. He is, and he's a lot of fun, too. Yes, he is mess. Yeah. He he's, even helped our daughter do her homework while we were in the mission field. <laughs> what a sermon. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Yeah, he's a, he's a good guy. And uh, Elias has been leading IC work in Indian countries for, I don't know how long, probably 20 years or, or more. And so it, it's it's incredible to work with people who have been doing this for a long time and understand the, the organizational challenges and all those sorts of things that need to be prepared months and months and months in advance for a project like this to happen. But also new people who just want to follow Jesus and do what he said, of reaching people, sharing the gospel, making disciples, because that's all it takes really, right, is, is obedience, just following Jesus and great commission um, but that's what can happen is is seeing uh, all these salvation seeing yeah, a parade you know going down the street uh, proclaiming his name and the highest capital city in the world it's awesome yeah there were 6,054 salvations I know it's increased they've gotten more um, indications made from other churches but 6,054 indications of New brothers and sisters in Christ is pretty powerful. That is awesome. Yeah. So sickness and all is worth it. Exactly. <laughs> we have it. Satan got kicked in the face because still thousands of people yeah. came to Christ despite all of the all the challenges. So the team came home. You get to reacclimate to your home life, to regular altitude. There's always there's always hard things about coming back. It's a whole different discussion. But then we have all the believers that you work with that are still there. And uh, to, that are still there to walk with, follow up with the new believers and disciple them. Um, what's the, how does that work? And what's, what's unique about international commission and how the follow-up happens? Yeah, so Operation Anchor is absolutely amazing in how really we're not doing near the work that our national mothers and sisters are doing because they are actually the ones on the ground hitting doors and just preparing the way before us, preaching the word, praying for these people, and pouring into them, 
And we always, I like to tell my church families, I'm like, I come in and I do the easy parts. I'm blessed to be a part of the harvest from all the labor they've done with planting, watering, nurturing that seed. And I'm blessed to come in and train, equip them how to share the gospel so that they can be a part of the discipleship program. And then the real job is after they leave. And that's the hardest part is when they have to do the discipleship, the follow-up going back to these houses that we visited, whether they've made a decision or not made a decision, they have to follow up and they have to do the selfishship because we don't want those new babes snatched away yeah. by the enemy. I mean, that's the whole point of going is to continually fight Satan and you don't want to lose one. So they go in and they do the discipleship and nurture them and help them to grow, get them planted in church homes. And uh, hey, even start new churches with yeah. them. I think we had yeah. five new churches planted out in the labor. So that's the hard part. We get the easy part because we get to go home. Yeah, and they are home. It's there. It's there. Yes. Imagine, imagine in your own town, in your own city, your own neighborhood, going and sharing the gospel, which is a great joy. Yes. Should be doing that. You get to do that as part of your call as a believer in Jesus Christ is to share the gospel with everyone who lives around you in your Jerusalem, your immediate uh, neighborhood where you live. Those local believers in these countries where we go uh, are there to continue following up and just teaching the same thing, really, that we've gotten to partner with them in, um, how, what it means to follow the commands of Jesus, what it, what it means to build a relationship, a friendship with him, and to know God and make him known. It really is a simple thing on a personal level to share the reason for the hope that you have with everyone around you. They can't argue with that. They can't argue with where you've placed your hope. They may not believe in the Bible. They may not even believe in God. But when the testimony of your life and the testimony that you speak is, is shown to them, when you share that with them, they can't argue with it. And because they have, because you have a relationship with your neighbors, because these nationals have a relationship with their neighbors, that witness just continues and continues and continues. Whether the people that met with that week have accepted Christ or not, it'll keep going on and on and on. So this partnership continues. And especially because we have the leaders that we have in those areas, we know that those particular partnerships are going to continue because those relationships with the churches and those leaders are long term too. Yeah, and we have amazing teams that go who have been trained by the International Commission to share the gospel. And let me tell you, the church that I worked with, they had had an amazing team member from America, and I won't say his name, but he trained them so well that they were already sharing the three circles and sharing the gospel because he had gone on an international project, met the church that we worked with. And so they're already trained and equipped. And so it was really nice yeah, getting to awesome. go in and just add a couple of tools to their tool belt. Mm -hmm. and, uh, but they are doing the work, even when we're not there. That's where our intents come in because they're still doing it. They're still daily walking that. And we can uh, take some notes from that. Absolutely. <laughs> and we're trying to here in the U.S. Um, you know this very well, Chantel, because you've been part of what we're calling North America Partnerships to where uh, we're taking teams on a trip, just like we do internationally, to other places in the United States. So if you want to be part of hosting one of those with your church or going with a, a team uh, or going with us internationally to join a team, like Chantel's talking about, you might have some challenges, but it's going to be really awesome. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Uh, either way, they're going to see God move. Just go to our website, internationalcommission.org. Look at the trips that we have planned and uh, apply to go. Yeah. If you if you are a follower of Jesus Christ and you can share with someone why and how you are uh, a follower of Christ, uh, you're qualified to go. And if you want to host uh, a North America partnership to reach your own community, your own city with your church, uh, just email us and we will get that started with you. Chantel, I'm going to give you an opportunity to look at this camera and do the mobilization thing. Um, give that appeal for people to, to join you on mission, uh, why they should go, um, and why, why should they go with you? So first, I mean, who can't resist the Tata? I have a very outgoing personality, fun personality, but now seriously, I challenge everyone to go on one mission trip and see what happens. I actually recently talked to a pastor who told me he did not go on the mission trips because he knew it would turn his world upside down. So I, I challenge you to see what God can do in your world and to go on a mission trip with us and see what it's like to share the gospel. And it's more fun to see people, other people learning how to share their faith and to blossom. And I just encourage you to be a part of that. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Thanks for this uh, conversation. I hope through this conversation and these stories, you've been equipped and enabled just by the encouragement of what God does through adversity on a mission trip. Uh, so whether you go across the sea or across the street, go and tell someone about Jesus.